Perhaps a few, if not all of us, have had the experience of being unable to communicate with someone because of a language barrier. One day after Mass, an elderly man approached me in the back of the church. His English was minimal and my Spanish almost non-existent. However, the pleading look in his eyes said everything. He was entreating me to give him a parting blessing, which he initiated by bowing his head and making the sign of the cross. Afterwards, in gratitude, he clasped my hands with such tenderness and devotion. I was very moved and edified, though keenly aware of my own inadequacies. There was little more I could do for him because of our cult cultural differences. Then it dawned on me, if human beings struggle to communicate with one another, then how do we expect to understand and communicate with the infinite and utterly transcendent God? Yet the seemingly insurmountable obstacle is precisely what makes Christmas the answer. In previous ages, the Lord communicated his will through the law and the prophets. Now he himself speaks in the soft, muted tones of a newborn baby. Now is fulfilled the words of the prophet Hosea, I drew them with human cords, with bands of love. I fostered them like one who raises a child to his cheeks. If before we were too afraid to approach God because of his sheer greatness, then let us keep our eyes fixed on the manger. After all, it is hard to resist the lure of a tiny baby. What we see in the Christmas crush is a picture of sheer vulnerability and the human voice of God, which says, I did this for you. And this probably comes as no surprise, especially if you've been listening carefully to the readings throughout Advent. Christmas is not only about the helpless infant born in extreme poverty, but more importantly, God coming to save his people. Whatever is noble, whatever is ugly, whatever is desirable or inconvenient concerning the human condition is taken up, redeemed, and sanctified in the sacrament of Christ's body. It was for this reason that God accepted in his own person the inevitable fate that awaits all of us, namely death. The moment the incarnation takes place, Christ is already set upon his, fate, his journey from womb to tomb, from cradle to cross. So what exactly is our participation in this work of redemption? How do we, though inadequate by nature, accommodate ourselves to the unmerited gift of salvation? Today's gospel provides us with the answer. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. To accept and to receive into our hearts the one who declares that he himself is love incarnate, we must first come to accept ourselves as worthy, as worthy of love. Children are, for the most part, 
received and loved by their parents, not by any merit of their own, but for the simple fact that they exist and depend on the generosity of others. A child of God, that is, each of us, is loved by God for no other reason than that we belong to him, that he created us, and that he made us in his image and likeness. God became man that man might become God. So goes the popular maxim of the fathers of the church. Our worth in the divine economy is not measured by our ability to give back to God, even less so by our many failures to live up to his moral law. As St. Augustine put it, In loving me, O God, you have made me lovable. But perhaps we've been trained by those who should have shown us affection to think that we are unlovable. Perhaps we've been conditioned by our culture to think that if we don't meet its criteria of beauty or charisma and success, that we are undeserving of others' respect. The problem here, aside from the fact that no one likes to be rejected, is that if we accept this way of thinking, we effectively remove the incarnation from our human experience. We remove its relevance from our lives in order to maintain the illusion that our worth depends on the appraisal of others. The heart that is closed, no matter how justified in its suffering, cannot allow the grace of Christ to heal. Unworthiness is never an excuse to exclude the presence of God from our souls. We have only to remember that four months from now, on Good Friday, Christ will suffer at the hands of those very people whom he came to redeem. And he still forgave them. God then, in becoming man, has made this final wager to find out if there be any on earth who seek him, if there be any who desire to be loved by him. The irony is that even God runs the risk of being rejected.